0: Hello, you're listening to The Hulkcast. As usual, I'm James Rushton, your host. Today, once again, I'm joined by Daniel Raza, back from London, fresh from London, just like Villa. How are you doing, mate? Hello, sure,
1: man, yeah. Um, I am back from London. I went to uh, went to film some charity football today uh, at a lower level. Uh, but uh, here we are talking about Aston Villa, mate.
0: I mean, uh, the level can't be that much lower than Aston Villa at the moment, surely. I mean, down in the Championship, it gets a bit scrappy here, does Oh, yeah, it mate. does,
1: doesn't it? But uh, the, team, the Championship's not exhibition matches. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not an exhibition game.
0: Um, if you go to the oh no! Oh no! Every game matters. Every single game matters down here, especially like yesterday. Villa went down to London, I believe, after a uh, international break. Usually, there's a bit of a hangover, but um, we went down a goal. You know, one goal straight away. Almost, it seemed instantly. It was about fifteen twenty minutes into the game. Um, QPR put one behind us, and uh, what were your thoughts then? As soon as Villa go down one 0 what happens? we fold, don't we?
1: Well, usually, yeah, I mean, that's what we've seen from Villa. Um, I'd be interested to see what the stat is in terms of that from us, because, you know, we, we, we've we made a bit of a reputation, I'm sorry to say this, I think we've got a bit of a reputation in the last few years of being a side that lacks any sort of fight um, when going down, but I think there have been flashes of it this season where, you know, the team is at least capable of scoring goals, so we know from that respect that uh, if they're not fully playing to their full standard, that, 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 that there is always going to be that opportunity um, for us, and I did think that, obviously, when we were one one one, one nil down against QPR, um, they were going to shut shut down totally. Uh, because it usually happens, isn't it, when we're away in the championship. Everybody wants to play us. Everybody wants to give us a really, really good game. So uh, if we do, obviously, go down. Um, you can expect a lot of
0: defensive work from the other side. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's things to be said about sitting back and uh, waiting to break on the counter. And that's especially what QPR did after they took the goal lead. Um, Ian Holloway's team, did uh, they did pack the box. They did put eight men behind the ball. They did put nine, ten people in the box up on, at some points. And the goals come. If you invite pressure, the goals do come. Um, there are, as I said, there's a lot of benefits from sitting back and waiting to pounce, but if you're going to, Consistently sit, sit back, the other team's going to get a chance to score. And we did. Um, Joshua Onoma smacked the ball off the bar, waiting for. And uh, I believe in the build up to that, or just after, we earned the penalty from a uh, There's a handball in the box. And uh, none other than Albert Adama steps up and uh, scores a the goal. They invited that goal, though. They uh, really did. They sat back and waited for it. And uh, In Holloway, after the match, says a lot of things. He says that they deserve something. And then Aston Villa had the special tonic. But I don't think Villa were incredible yesterday. They were really good. Don't get me wrong, but QPR—they made that happen. They—if you're going to re- relinquish half the pitch to Aston Villa, they're going to take that space and do damage with it. And we did. We earned the penalty and uh, brought it back to one-one. Mate.
1: Well, I think we've been good at that this season. In all honesty, yeah. I think we've been we've been good at using the wingers. We've we've really been good at uh, using space. And um, I remember Brendan Rodgers a couple of seasons ago talking about dominating space rather than. Dominating possession of the ball, but I think we do do that quite well. Um, Bruce is clearly working positioning a lot on a lot of the lads, so it does come to points where if the team, um, if the if the other team does sit back too much, if they do defend too much, you know, we will find space, and that is something that we have seen from us this season. And uh, it happened. I mean, even with the penalty, um, there was I think there were about eight QPR players in the box. I'm just thinking, how do you marshal that sort of defensive effort when you've got another team attacking you? How does every one of those players? You know, looking, they're just trying to get the ball out of the box. How does every single one of those players know what their role is? Um, and obviously, that it was just pure confusion, wasn't it? And the more bodies in the box, the more likely it is to get a handball yeah, uh, for exactly. a penalty.
0: Um, I think there's a lot to be said about the simplicity of football. I think if you're in the Premier League and you're structured and you've got a vision and you've got the right players, you can certainly experiment with the roles. You can certainly do a lot more than you can maybe in the Championship, the quality of player down here. Not to say the quality of players is bad. But there's so many games, fitness runs, you know, you run out of fitness at points. You know, you know, Some of these international breaks do come at a really good time. But with all the stack of matches, it, 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 to take a lot of the comp- complexity of the game out, is, is it, it does help. You know, Steve Bruce's team, it, it lined up as a 4-4-2 and it got things back to it. It scrapped a lot of, you know, crud that we had and it uh, freshened the team up. And we, we really benefited. Benefit from that, and now we have a foundation which we can build off, and it's built built out of pure simplicity. And I think that's something that Steve Bruce needs to be praised for—not being stupid and not being smart enough, but take it, stripping it back, and uh, we've been able to put some really good stuff. Yeah,
1: this is it. It was the obvious lineup, there, wasn't it? It was the obvious lineup. You know, sticking Samba and Taylor. Um, oh, it was good to see Taylor back, by the way. Um If obviously um Alan Hutton has been filling in at left back, and we have been praising him on this show, but. Uh, now that Taylor's fit, it just makes sense to to keep that defense balanced. Um, that that's straight up midfield, Snodgrass, Weed, and Huruhan Adoma. and he does like to play on him up behind Davis. Uh, when when we are away from home, makes sense. You know, you want you want to dominate that midfield a little bit more, and we've only got one fit striker or one fit striker who you think could play to this kind of level. Um, so it, it did make sense to me the, the the way that we lined up. It was just simple. The lads know their roles, and it just doesn't change too much because what I saw over the international break was the fans were just panicking because of injuries. But there was no real reason to, clearly, today. Obviously, Terry not being there does lead the team to to, to capitulate at some points. Um, It, it will happen. Uh, there, there will be that lack of leadership on show. Um, But I think what
0: we're starting to see now is that they are coming into their own and they do know their roles. Yeah, I'm uh, really happy with this, Phil aside, and how they... I mean. Panic buttons were pressed when we lose John Terry, we lose Scott Hogan and we lose Jonathan Codger. You know, Scott Hogan, especially through some kind of freak uh, stomach injury, um, that has needed a serious operation on. You know, Godspeed with all that stuff. But um, yeah, especially when a player is struck down by an off the pitch illness, you start to panic and you start to look within the team. And I mean, we have made, made like two strikers. We have Gabby O'Banel, who of course, who was injured himself and uh, Keenan Davies. And, I don't think Keenan Davis actually stepped up yesterday because I think that quality's always been there, like incredible quality. It's not, you know, he's not the best person at finishing chances. He's not going to bump your XG up with a, uh, you know, clear cut chances. But he is going to do one thing, and he's going to bring an entire midfield, you know, a really quality midfield into play. And uh, that's something he excelled in yesterday. He's not going to, you know, beat Paddy stats out of goals, but he is going to bring... No, that's what I like about Davis. He does keep it simple, play.
1: doesn't he? He, can, he does always tend to bring the ball forward. He's not your sort of typical sort of hold-up play striker where he's going to get the ball and kind of stay in one place. He, he, he does tend to run with the ball and try and get as far as he can. And then, you know, he he is very good at out passes. One thing I will say to him, he's good to distributing out wide. Uh, sorry, he's good at distributing out wide. He connects really well with Snodgrass and Adoma. But... Uh, he does really seem to connect with Adoma. Uh, I mean, Onomer as well is is, is looked pretty good, but um, I don't think he has quite that that sort of uh, that sort of chemistry with him just yet. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that partnership, but uh, I, I am really really happy with the way that Keenan Davis is bringing those into play.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we fought. That without Codja and without Hogan, that Villa will lack for goals, and we're going to the second goal—a quality finish from uh, Albert Adoma, of all people, a QPR fan, no less. Two goals, and the second one's a real, real classy finish. You know that's world world class football that is from uh, Albert Adoma, and uh, yeah, he's brought the goals in. He stepped again. It's uh, not a case of stepping up, but showing that quality. And you know, when, when the when the centre stage is yours, when the big man Codja isn't there and John Terry isn't there, it's about you know making a name for yourself now but Adoma really is you know this is serious quality from this guy right now I mean he went quiet for a few matches but when we needed him he's someone who he somehow steps up to the plate yeah and one on. thing
1: with Adoma is he's hes always been he's always had like ridiculous stats in the championship right and he for some reason was out of favour from the team for a while and that was like last season and even at the start of this season if I remember correctly as well and I don't I don't know what it was that, that kept him out of the side because the guy is yeah. Clearly, absolutely quality. I mean, if we if we if we stop swapped a Adama Traore for this guy, right? He has to be decent to some degree, right? And I don't understand why we went through such a long period of time not thinking we could use a winger of his quality in the side. And I think it's fantastic the way that he picks picks up the ball, drives forward, and has that attacking mindset. I mean, I've been very very used to seeing us have wingers who, you know, no offense to Jack Grealish, but just can't finish and just cannot get the job done in the end. And Adoma is one of the few guys that we've had over the last few seasons who, who has that that sort of vision, um, but not just that vision, but also the uh, the ability to actually to make use of it. Um, and he's going to rack up stats and goals this season. What is it, something like eight or nine goals so far?
0: Yeah, eight across all competitions. I mean, he didn't score much last season, but he did bring the assists. He was our leading assist uh, person <laughs> last season. But um, today, he's, you know, this season, he's bringing the goals. And I think if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that Adoma was someone we were looking to ship out in the summer. And it was someone that we didn't really, kind of like Lansbury, he was kind of on the fringe. You know, he was a, a person that we bought last year who we just wanted to make room for. We just needed him going to make space. And I think he's really turned it around. Um, He was on the fringes. He was playing for the end of the twenty three and, you know, he was cast out. And uh, when that space come clear he's he's done you know he's done his job he's absolutely professional he's done it with a smile on his face as well
1: oh man you know what I don't believe at all that we were considering stripping him out you know why because we, we haven't had wingers have we you know Snodgrass obviously coming in then you've got um, Adoma and after that we are back into sort of Grealish who is incredibly talented for whatever reason hasn't stepped up but obviously now he's back from injury we'll see what he can do and then into sort of uh, Andre Green territory. You know, we were a club, who we were using Gabby on the left wing. Someone who, no disrespect to him, you know, can do a little bit of a job up front, but he's not got the technical ability to to, to play on the wing and, and be the main creative player. Uh, why would somebody like Adoma sort of um, be the kind of player that, that we want to ship off? You know, there's a real sort of lack of these kinds of characters, a real sort of lack of these kinds of players in the championship, you know, players with this kind of ability. Um, and Adoma is the sort of player who playing in the Premier League uh, wouldn't seem out of place. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that he's probably our star man this season. He's, there hasn't been a better player
0: than him. Yeah, I mean, he's come from the fringes as well, hasn't he? You know, he wasn't appearing at the start. I don't know if he was on the issue, but uh, Andre Green was the man. Rightly so. Um, but Alma Adoma, you know, we've had to switch our tactics for him. We've had to drop him in inverted alongside Snodgrass, and it's really brought the best out of him. But yeah, mate, there was a special performance in the international break, wasn't it? Australia's own Mila Yedinac. What a hat-trick, man, <laughs> put, put him into the World Cup. You know, he really did put the team on his back.
1: It was probably the worst hat-trick of all time. Um, but, having said that, still a hat-trick, isn't it? He still scored three goals. Yeah. He still hammered home two pennies. A hat-trick is a hat-trick. Yeah, yeah. A hat-trick's a hat-trick, mm-hmm. man. And, I mean, one thing that I've come out and said as well this week is that if a player does have a beard, he should be in the starting eleven. But I think it brings something out I think it brings something special out of player. But, you know, all joking aside, Mile Jedinak, he should be in the team. Man, I mean after that performance, how do you I mean, I can understand why he doesn't play today. I'm sorry, yesterday.
0: Um but I think next week you gotta give that guy a game time. Yeah, especially look, Glenn Whelan he just he's he's under fire all the time. The ball is he I've never seen someone fall over so much in a villa shirt. or like he's just all he's just on the floor constantly. He's running forward with the ball. He'll slip or get tackled. It, you know, something will happen to put Glenn Whelan on the floor. And I think he's he's someone that you'll trust with the ball at his feet more than Yedinak in a way, in the sense that he's a you know he he feels to me as a better passer. Uh, someone who's smarter with the ball. Mila Jedanac's more of an off the ball type of person. He, he's a big man to get in the way of passing lanes. But I just trust jedenak so much more doing that job. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, J-
1: Jedinak, um, What people tend to forget is that. Jedinak was a star performer at Crystal Palace for many years. You know, I was surprised at the sort of criticism he got last year. It, people were, were, were you know, in, were worried about the fact that the guy wasn't scoring goals and wasn't being creative. It's like, mate, Jedinak has always sat very, very deep in the midfield. He is supposed to be the midfield general, the guy who picks up the ball, is making the tackles. And, you know, for a large part of last season, he was the only guy who was doing it. You know, uh, it, it was sort of, the best replacement we yeah. could get for somebody like Idrissa Um And I, I do feel that one of the things that we have lacked in our midfield is a bit of bite. Yeah, I mean, Glenn Whelan's done, done a pretty decent job of it. But somebody like Conor Hurahan, I think it could be really bring the best out of him. If Jaden acts in that midfield and he's doing the work, he's doing the, the defensive work in that midfield, Conor Hurahan gets a little bit more space and he gets a little bit more time to move a little bit for, further forward. Jedinak is not going to move forward. but he can sit back and he can make sure that you know Huruhan's got that covered. Yeah, I
0: mean, I'm not completely adverse to Jedinak and Whelan started because you know, Wheelan's got good, good passer of the ball. You know where Jedinak's flaws are, Whelan makes up for them, and where Whelan's flaws are, Jedinak makes up for him. He's he's uh, off the ball work. He's magnificent. He he just gets in the way it's just a constant obstacle for the other team. And that's something that we really do need. And we just, you know, we've got John, we had John Terry at the back, sorry. Now we've got a big Chris Sam, but we need more threats to make people think twice about playing that hard ball over our defence. And yet, next one of them. He's a, you know, he's an obstacle. And I feel like we haven't got that with Whelan. Oh, his headers! I think his header statistics are ridiculous. Actually, Um I've
1: actually got to know. I've got. I've actually, I've actually got to find out about his heading stats. But every time Jedinak plays, nothing gets past him. It just doesn't actually have to be any head when that guy's on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I mean he he just unlocks the potential of the team. Whereas Whelan, he struggles with that defensive midfield role because I think he does need assistance because all the pressure it comes to a, a sharp point at where his position is. Whereas Jedinak, um is far more comfortable laying off. The ball to someone who can do something with it, and that's not to say his passing's awful. We've seen him deploy some pinpoint passing, but I think where Yeddernax excels is what, what he does off the ball. You know, running around, getting you know, picking up positions, making cutting out passing lanes and just being a someone just in the way. I mean, it seems like a waste of a position, but if you can get someone in the way, like Yeddernax does, perfect. And you know, we say that we talk about the hat trick, and I think two set, you know, two penalties here you know, to give away. But uh, yeah, scoring those goals, you know, knock those goals from set pieces. It's it's just a uh, it's like stealing a goal out of nowhere against a run play stuff like that. And I think Villa could do with a few more set piece goals. And you know, that's proving himself. He's proving himself like that throughout his career.
1: Yeah, I think it's good that we've actually finally got uh, a team who can who can threaten from set pieces as well. Another thing that we lacked for years was anybody who could take a free kick. Uh, I remember times having to. You know, well, being forced to sit down watching uh, Steve Sidwell take free kicks, or Ashley Westwood. Oh, yeah. Ashley Westwood was wasn't, was the worst one. You know, watching him take um, <laughs> take set pieces. And yeah, now you've got Huran, Anadoma, and um, and Snodgrass, and each of these guys can whip in a ball. You know, for for like somebody like Jed Knight to,
0: to head home. Yeah, exactly. And he, he can tackle him himself as well, pretty well. He's a dead ball specialist. But um, Snodgrass takes him pretty well as well. Beautiful. He's sometimes beautiful with his free-kick technique. But uh, yeah, I hope we can fit Yudhanak in the team. He did well against Australia. And I think it's a shame that Villa fans do get a bit upset about him going to fly to Australia and, you know, across Saudi Arabia into Iran for all these Asian Cup matches and stuff. But, he's, you know, if you're called up to represent your, t- your national team, what better, runner and you? Yeah, you can't take that away so. from him.
1: Yeah, if you don't want him, if you, if you don't want him, you know, go in abroad and don't sign a sign an Australian. You know, um, it's not
0: his fault. Australia is so far away. away. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I'd be more worried if it was playing for New Zealand. That'd be a little bit more pointless, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, that comes up but... the territory.
1: <laughs> that's just the way I see it. But no, I mean, who's it? We've got Sunderland next week. Is that is that is that right? Mm. Just wondering.
0: Yeah, moving on quickly because. Speaking of international football, mate, uh Chris Coleman, the action you know, do I say legendary Wales manager, the man who has brought so much out of this Wales team has uh moved to Sunderland who we face on Tuesday.
1: It's ridiculous, man. What's he doing with his life? Um
0: That's yeah, a stupid decision, isn't it?
1: Well, I wouldn't I don't want to call him stupid, um, because obviously he knows He gets he's... the money. It's a paycheck. Is that is that it's that longer, it, it can't be the paycheck though, man. It can't be the paycheck because I'm sure that he's he's been paid fairly well at wales i just wish that coleman had just waited a little bit longer so he's at a more suitable club having said that being at sunderland technically looking at that squad if he was to do a little bit of a steve bruce style job uh keeps them up this season and he might have one of the strongest squads in the championship possibly
0: the problem the problem is chris coleman has never been Do I say he's never been a good club manager? You know, he is. I wouldn't say he's abjectly failed at every club he's been at, but he's just one who's kind of flitted from job to job and he's never really left his mark. And I think this Sunderland team are doing their best to look like 2015 Aston Villa, as in they are hopeless. There are, you know, players who don't want to be there. And I do feel sorry for the fans because I don't think Chris Coleman is the man to turn this around. Um. Everything went right for him at Wales in the sense that you have that star man and you have a bunch of characters to build around some real, you know, there's some real quality in that Wales team. And they no, love honestly, him. Honestly, I
1: mean, the thing with Wales was obviously he's, he's he's got a team of players who in general aren't up to that international standard. But, you know, also he's got the likes of Aaron Ramsey who can turn it on. Aaron Ramsey who, you know, without his injuries perhaps, and dare I say this, of the last five years has been one of the candidates for the best midfielder in the league. One of the best midfielders in England, right? Um, at the very least, for the last few years, and I have no, um, I have no qualms in saying that. Um, and then you've got Gareth Bale, who is an absolutely ridiculous talent. and At least one of them is going to turn it on, you know. If those two don't turn it on, then you know you 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 have got you know you have got some other decent players in that team. Like um, uh, I'm, I'm struggling now, but, Joe, <laughs> but you know that you've had Joe Ledley in recent years. You know, yeah, Joe Allen, Joe Allen, the Welsh chavvy. You know what I mean? Um, but like he as a Wales manager has always been upsetting the odds. He's been he's been there as like an un, uh, in a team where they're the underdogs and nothing much much is really expected of them, right? So when they do turn it up, it's like oh great, we've got some momentum going. The question is, can he do that week in week out at a club where all the fans are already already frustrated and expect their team to get back up in the Premier League where their best mates Newcastle are you know are sitting. Um, and th- th- this is this is where this is where the issue is going to arise. I'm not sure he's going to be able to inspire that same mentality in that Sunderland team.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about new manager Bias, but I think I spoke about this on Twitter. yesterday, new manager Bias. You know, new manager bounce, Sorry, I'll come on to Bias in a second because Bias is what makes us think that new manager bounce exists. Because more often than not, it seems or whatever it, is, it seems to us that a new manager get to wins, and uh, I think someone sent the stats to me and said, yeah, you're more or less right. You know, this is an old study, but just because it's a new manager doesn't mean they're going to beat your team.
1: Yeah, look at David Moyes today, right? David Moyes comes into West <laughs> yeah. Ham, right? And I'm sorry, but bringing that guy in um, with his, like, with his typical, like, absolutely typical English football um, coaching staff, right, didn't get straight off the bat, didn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's the bottom club. There's a lot of... Like, manager, Chris Coleman, obviously, at uh, uh, Sunderland now, it's not going to paper over all of those cracks, is it? The issue... There's still so many issues.
0: Yeah, the big issue to me seems like that Chris Coleman is the same type of managerial talent as Simon Grayson. Who they've just sacked. And that's not to say that even if a are bad or, or terrible, it just seems that like they're the same calibre of manager. And uh, I think Sunderland should have been a bit more ambitious. I, I mean, maybe Chris Coleman was the best name they could hire, but... I, it... It does seem like this club is in a terrible tailspin, and if it, this is Villa's match to lose, right? Even with a new manager.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, what, what the reason why I was asking first of all whether whether the game was next week is obviously we were talking about Jedinak and had to fit him in the team. I think next week we shut them down in that midfield. Right? Dare you call me negative? But I say we go three in midfield next week. Right? I think Jedinak, Hurahan and Whelan stick them all in there, and just stop them from playing that will shut them down. You know, that that will frustrate Sunderland and, you know, by the second half, if they haven't scored a goal, then we, we we surely will. That's the way I see us playing. I think that's the way we should do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, defend. there's nothing negative about that about defensive football. It just means you're less likely to, you know, you're more risk adverse. You're not going to take silly, stupid risks. You're going to shut down the game and you're going to break on the counter. and you're going to do them in. I mean, people want to see attacking football like the FIFA style of Pep Guardiola where it's just, Insane. There's, you know, there's 20 shots at 26, 27 shots a game and they're all on target and they're winning 8 or 10 nil. <laughs> but, you know, that's attacking football is not something that this Aston Villa team is suited for. But, you know, it is a defensive style, not where they're punting long balls up the pitch, but where they're shutting down and breaking rapidly on a counter. And that is defensive football. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we see Napoli, that's defensive football straight away doing rondos, you know, playing out from the back, playing smart and getting the, the ball up the pitch quickly. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with, you know, sitting, not I say sitting back, but sitting deep, playing out and springing, you know, like a spring-loaded counter-attack with Adoma and a Snodgrass and Keenan Davis running up the pitch fast. I feel that's the best way to win. Um, if we set out and try and pounce them and try and, I wouldn't say humiliate them, but if we try and uh, exert our authority in a home game, we do get seem to get turned over.
1: Yeah, we have got to watch our backs as well, and I think it's getting to that point in the season now where we we can't afford to drop points. We've got to start picking the picking those wins up because I think now Sheffield and Wolverhampton are running away with it, aren't they? And I think as well we can make a real sort of we can make a real statement as well by beating Sunderland. You know that will put the whole championship's eyes on us because you know what that game is going to be the biggest game of the weekend, isn't it? It's going to be Coleman at Sunderland, he's the new manager at that team who have just been relegated as well, should be of a premiership level, which they're not. Um and I think we can get some real momentum if we shut down their party, you know. That it's going to send Sunderland back into a back into an absolute um chaotic state, but I think if we shut them down it can give us some real momentum and it would really make a statement.
0: Yeah, I completely I completely agree Daniel. Um we've got to get the job done. That's all all I care about is getting that job done. Because if we, we can't stay camped with 10 men in the Sunderland half constantly pinging in the ball into their box. because so we'll play their game. They're going to look to spring, you know, real fast on that counter. If we're playing back with uh, simply Chris Samba and James Chester, you know, back in defence, we're going to get done uh, on the wings. So uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if we are patient. Yeah. Is word use, That's
1: challenges. how Coleman plays, though, isn't it? That's how Coleman plays. He he, he does spring on the counter. That's how his Welsh side was were, were so good. You know, they, they had some good midfielders who were good at passing the ball and obviously knew how to get the ball out um, to the to the two forwards. They usually played with two forwards and obviously one player behind them. Um, and they they were very good at um, making sure that, that the other team didn't eat into them too much. Um, but their fullbacks, obviously... Were were wing backs, weren't they? They they, they played, they pushed a little bit further forward, and you know more more often than not, they managed to get the job done against against good opposition. Uh, so Coleman, he is going to try and do that against us. He will try and set that up, and I think as well, Villa will react awkwardly to any team playing five at the back, especially because we tend to play with uh with with one real striker. Not really a problem necessarily if we if we've got um if we've got wingers. But that is what I'm going to expect from Sunderland. They they will sit back and try to sit uh, and try to spring the counter attack. There's no other way. I think Coleman knows how to play if I'm totally honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not. It's not like there's anything wrong with that. But if Filler try to overload the final third and try and really get an attack going, they're going to play right into Sunderland's hands, as any good counter is. You know, I'm not saying they sit deep and just draw to a stalemate, but you have to keep your eye on eye on your own back and defend well. Any danger men, Do you think for Sunderland? I mean, it seems it sounds silly when <laughs> uh, so far off the pace uh, in the league, they're so far down. But is there any real quality that you've seen throughout the season that Sunderland could deploy? I mean, Aiden McGee seems like a name, but I'm not too yeah, sure no, what's going on. McGeady uh, obviously North has done quite well. well. I think I he's able. their
1: leading assist. Um, he's, I think the, he's the leading one with their assists. I think he's got about three assists this season. But the one you really want to be watching out for, mate, is Lewis Graben. Um I'm not sure what his injury. Situation is like, I really, really hope he's not. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try up just like he's a big danger man. Um, he's, he's likely to be fit though, but yeah, grab him, if he is, but he is one to uh to really sort of look out for. Um, he's bagged in nine this season, which when you think about it, the way that Sunderland have been playing, uh, is, is exceptional. That's nine from 12 appearances, by the way. Uh, so he's been sort of like one of their real sort of shining lights. The other one you want to look out for is George Honeyman. Um, he's obviously been playing quite well for him as well this season, he's he's, he's quite young, he's come through the academy, I believe. Um so yeah, you want to be looking out for James Honeyman and Lewis Grabban really. Uh, I, I th- they do they do have dangers. You've got to imagine, You've got to remember that a lot of these players are go- are good quality players. They are players who've played in the Premier League. It's just that altogether, it's a bit of a mishmash of a
0: squad, mate. Yeah. Um, any prediction then coming off the back of that, of the game on Tuesday. Ooh. Um... This, this, Sunderland are
1: capable of scoring goals. This is this is the only thing that worries me. Uh they, they did score twice against Millwall this weekend. Um So thinking thinking like that Let me just think. You know, you know, even against Middlesbrough, I think the week before they they didn't do too well and then um but they did score three goals against Brentford too. Because of that, I do think we're gonna concede. I can see it happening. I can see Sunderland springing. I think they'll take the lead. If I'm totally honest with you, but I'm going to give this another two-one victory to Villa. Uh, I do think we'll have enough to to take them back because the thing is, as soon as we score against them again, um, they they will absolutely uh, they will absolutely sort of like uh, what's the word? Uh, They'll crumble. They'll crumble. You know, they're, they're just like we were last season. If anybody, if anybody understands Sunderland's situation, it's us as Villa fans. So I do think that. They'll spring the counter-attack the counter first of all. They'll score a goal. We'll be asleep, uh, but we'll turn
0: it around. That's exactly how I see it going. It'll be 2-1 to us. Can't disagree with that. I think we should be beating some of them, mate. Um, moving on then to next Saturday. It's two home games in a row. We're versing Mick McCarthy's high-flying Ipswich Town. Dangerous team. Dangerous team. I'm <laughs> you can laugh at you as unfashionable as he is, he gets the job done for uh, Ipswich Town. Except he? Promote, uh, promotion isn't the job it? he does. You know he doesn't get the team promoted. Yeah. He just does well for a bit, and then they kind of fade off. But um, Ipswich Town, one of the, you know, one of the surprise teams that's won the UEFA Cup. I think they won it under Bobby Robson back in the day. The Cosmopolitan Ipswich Town. We're gonna take the piss, and we're gonna get we're gonna get battered now because I've You're taken right, the piss. But um, Ipswich Town, I. <laughs> they are a uh, team to look out for. They're like Cardiff in the sense that they were leading the table early on. But uh, Ipswich Town come to Villa Park on the Saturday. And do we have to worry too much about them?
1: Um, not as much. I, I, don't, I don't think we want to worry about them any more specifically than we would do any other mid-table championship side. Uh, it's it's once again a game we should be winning. Right? The problem with Mick McCarthy at Ipswich, as you said, yeah. is he does a lot right. But he doesn't get a promoted. That side is just the absolute epitome of championship mediocrity. They're, they're not gonna go up. They haven't got an awful lot to play for, if I'm totally honest with you. Having said that, right, Joe Garner is gonna be absolutely dangerous for us in, uh, in that box. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you that, right? That guy's like that 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 guy's ability from, from set pieces and just in terms of being able to hassle a defense. Uh, he is going to make us struggle. Unless Chris Samba does manage to get himself sharp enough um, uh, You know, during the week against Sunderland, uh, we we are, we are going to have trouble over there. Um, so, yeah, that's the only thing I'd say. There is some things to obviously worry about from, from Ipswich. Don't get me wrong. They know what it's like to play at this level. Um, so, yeah, I think Joe
0: Garner is going to be the real threat, if I'm totally honest with you. Anybody, anybody you've identified? Uh, t- to be honest, man, I, Ipswich is a town that I don't know I just don't know any players from them I've, I know I can name names from every single championship team like Lafandra for, you know for Burton album we've got Matty Palmer we've got Lloyd Lucas Atkins Lloyd Dyer for Birmingham you know we've got Hutter in the middle but Ipswich Town um I am completely unknowledgeable about anything they do, except I thought they were going to get promoted at the start of the season when they were doing really well. But my friend at the blog, 7500, said Alex Carson, he does a lot of analysis for us in his column, uh, Expected Villa, which is a play on uh, expected goals, XG. And he accurately predicted that Ipswich Town would fall apart because you know their goal tally wasn't meeting their expected goal tally, uh, as in they were literally finishing every single chance they made. And those chances were few and far between. And it does seem like that they have dropped off on their on the form recently. they lose-win, lose-win draw, which is mixed as mixed as it comes, whereas Aston Villa can uh, boast more wins in the last six games than them. So I think you know, the form's on our side and we're at home. But then again, Ipswich with Tan were the team that ended our unbeaten streak at home last year. Thankfully, the well the streaks are already already gone to so the hoodoos off our back, so we don't have to worry about pressure anymore at home. What we have to worry about is if we're going to slip up to which like we did against Wednesday yeah
1: I mean I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at how they lined up against Hull this weekend uh, they, they drew two all with them by the way
0: just just so you I've got yeah, that detail stole, stole the say that again <laughs> perfect <laughs> but yeah they, they stole the draw at the, right at death and uh, I've got a friend at work who uh, loves Hull. home and every single match home and away he oh, goes wow. to and they haven't won in ages bloody ages and uh, yeah we do rip it out of him but um it does seem like his clubs in the towel spin like Sunderland, but Ushich did steal uh, a goal, you know, Jordan Spence right at the end. So uh, I'm going to go for he's the danger man because he's the only <laughs> man. I, David McGoldrick's another yeah, name he I last always, week. but um, so
1: he scored this weekend. He scored against um, yeah oh. Sunderland as well. Yeah, he's always going to be he's he's always be dangerous.
0: But it's a Mick McCarthy team. Yeah, a Mick McCarthy team speaks to me like a lot like a Neil Warnock team. And that sounds you know like I'm making an obvious conclusion from that. But they are very similar managers. The styles are almost identical. They're going to play the same. They're going to set up the same. And we always seem to have trouble against Neil Warnock. And we do seem to have a lot of trouble against uh, Ipswich. We didn't get a result against them last season at all. And uh, that worries me in the sense that if we don't pick up the result against Coleman and Sunderland, that we go into this Ipswich game and it doesn't work out for us as much as we expected, and we're back go back to square one after all this optimism. But then again, you know we are in form. We have to make the most. Yeah, of look,
1: we, we haven't got to worry about getting outplayed by switch That that's not something I, I I feel is going to happen. I mean, look, Jordan Spence and even even Nudson at left back, right? Both of those lads aren't naturally fullbacks. Now I might be I might be saying something that that I might stand to be corrected with, but. I've I've never seen them as, as as fullbacks who are very good at going forward at the very least, and you also look at the rest of their side and it's just a bit unbalanced when it comes to creating chances and just having creative players that they're they're not gonna they're not gonna trouble us when it when it comes to actually playing football. What we have got to worry about is the set pieces and being able to break them down. Uh, this is this kind of game though where somebody like a Doma um, getting in behind the defence could be incredibly useful. Uh, uh, we, we're going to have to use utilize the pace that we do have, um, because yeah, we 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 struggle aerially against them. That that's the big danger when we do come up against them. I mean, even Scoose in that midfield, another tall lad, uh, we you know we we, we 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 need to be careful against them when it when it does come to that. That's the only thing I'd say. Perhaps something that Chris Samba would help us with.
0: So, what is your prediction then for our second home game of the week? Um, you said we'd beat Sunderland. So, what's going to happen in this Ipswich game?
1: Sometimes I'm far too like optimistic, aren't I? I mean, I, I I don't want to predict anything other than a win here against Ipswich. Uh, I I think you are right about the way that Mick McCarthy does, uh, does tend to do well against us. Uh, I'd be interested to see what the actual stat is, but because of the fact that Ipswich are quite uh prone to conceding goals, uh, yeah, as we have seen against Hull, shouldn't be conceding too many goals against them. Um, I'm gonna go with us probably winning this one. But I think, and I know we haven't had this kind of a game in a while, I'm going to go with a 3-2 victory. I think we might concede against them. I think we're going to get troubled when it does come to a corner or a free kick, some sort of freak set-piece moment Um, that they will score against us. I'm going to go 3-2, though. I do think we can score goals against them. What did you just drop, mate?
0: Show notes, phone, everything was on my lap and I've just rolled over and it's all, all dropped to the floor. Hopefully, not like Villa, mate. Um, hopefully, we aren't dropping through the championship table floor come, uh, next time we record next Sunday. We've got, uh, as you predicted, hopefully a big win against Sunderland and a big win against Ipswich. So, uh, fingers crossed, next time we record. And we've got six points in the bag. Well, mate, what about you? Yeah, you haven't given me a prediction. Oh, come on, man. Don't do this thing, man. Okay, for Sunderland, I'm going with a big win. I'm going 3 0. Going big win? Yeah,
1: So you you think yeah, we're going. You you think we're going to absolutely obliterate them, even with a new manager there?
0: Oh, but it doesn't make much difference to how unfortunately terrible Sunderland are. Mm. Oh, they're rock bottom of a championship table. So it's not difficult to not be rock bottom of the championship table in Sunderland. The, no, you got a good point there, mate. You know there are there are bad teams. This year. you know we've got the unfortunate situation at Bolton. We've got Burton. You know, no budget, but Burton are uh, practically hanging on. <laughs> I don't know, know how they're here. I I you know the job. Worked there's miracles. I don't know how they are in the championship. Um, they were Sunday league not, not nine or ten years ago. Um, we've got Birmingham, of course, who sh- for some reason are still struggling. I'm not even sure how this is capable from the quality that's in their team. They've got some good players and they're just so bad. Um, Birmingham always win are. They did win this though. weekend,
1: though. They
0: did win this um, weekend. well, so it... oh, fair enough, fair enough, though. But, um, Sunderland are trying really hard to be the worst team in the mm-hmm. league and when the worst team in the league comes to one of the <laughs> high flyers in the league as Aston Villa are at this moment we can't deny how good they're doing Um, they we've got to win we've got to win and you've got to make a statement you've got to win big and you've got to put three goals past them if we can put four past Norwich we've got to be put three past Sunderland I mean uh, maybe they score first maybe they do get one but Villa uh, have got to make a the statement they got to shut Chris Coleman down they've got to have uh, a Make his life a little bit harder, and uh, I, I don't want to put heap the misery on Sunderland. But um, you got to win that game. You got to win it big, and you got to make the statement, and you got to make the fans at home happy. And then you uh, go to uh, the next game, Ipswich, and you hopefully mm. win two one, as I'm predicting. Uh, we, I don't know, I don't know. I think I want us to win. Of course, I do. Of course, I want us to win. But uh, Ipswich seem like a difficult team to a break down and B, even find a chance to break down, um, they're going to set up in a difficult manner. They're going to set up in a smart and intelligent manner. Um, I think it'll be a 1-1 against Ipswich. Uh, so yeah, 3-0 that, Sunderland and 1-1 yeah, Ipswich. I can see mate. That. Yeah,
1: Sunderland could be a good, a good, good
0: hat-trick opportunity
1: for uh, Keenan Davis well, if uh, Jedinak doesn't beat him to it.
0: Oh, Hopefully. I mean, if you can uh, find the net. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he can, uh, if Keenan Davis can form the net because he's been struggling uh, to uh, get any shots uh, past the keeper at the moment. But yeah, mate, what better note uh, to end the podcast on today than that pure optimism from us both? I believe. I mean, that one-one draw is not that negative, right?
1: Nah, not against Ipswich. Not against Ipswich. It's, it's all good at, at that point. They, they, they are—they are, they are <laughs> the kind of team I will say they are the kind of team that will cause us trouble when it comes to playing football and matching the side one-to-one apart from perhaps Wolverhampton Wanderers then you know we we are one of the best teams in the championship but when it comes to set pieces it comes to height and it comes to a team who are just very good at uh uh, you know dare I say it fouling uh as well (laughs) and and, and just just being uh good at winning the winning the ball from set pieces we will struggle against that kind of side especially because we are prone to giving away city free kicks
0: oh yeah mate let's uh Let's hope that we get the uh, positive result that I think we all need to carry on the good times. Hopefully we'll be in a, just as good mood next Sunday when we come to record. But yeah, as for me, James Rushton, uh, you can find me on Twitter at jemma Rushton. And Danny, where can they find you, mate? Yeah, find me on Twitter at DHRaza and of
1: course on Instagram at, uh, at DHRaza as well. Um, lots of details about what I do there as well. So you can catch me on TV as well every Saturday morning from 11am. More info on that uh, on my social profiles.
0: Uh, So uh, catch him on TV and uh, catch us in your ears next Sunday with hopefully six points in the bag against Sunderland and Ipswich. Hope you have a good night. Catch you later.